listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 451. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Dwayne, as we continue our journey with season one of the Fox series Fringe. And uh, before we got on the air, we agreed what's coming up next for Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, and it's going to be season two of Be Foreigners, which I think we said last week or the week before. How the hell did we not notice that it dropped? Yeah, it's like it literally was so under the radar, like... Yeah, I don't know how we missed it, but I mean, we totally did, right? Yeah, and, and you know, we talked a little politics last week, and I'm just going to mention, you know, I, I'm intelligent enough to know, as I know you are, that it's not that difficult to learn the truth about what's going on because there's so much information out there. You you, you know which uh, information sources to go to, and one of the ones that I go to very often is Politico.com because it's it's pretty neutral, it's pretty central. And I was looking for be foreigners, and and Politico did a story about be foreigners as the best show you're probably not watching. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, there's a lot that, of reasons that, for that. Yeah. Well, one is HBO like doesn't really freaking advertise it or anything you know yeah so uh, you know we'll get into the reasons why and and you know some of which we already talked about in our season one discussion of be foreigners but uh yeah really looking forward to that but obviously fringe is into high gear and and you know even though we have a monster of the week episode this time to talk about it, it still is moving forward but you know before we get into that if you want to reach us with any comments, questions, whatever, sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us. Join the Facebook group if you want. And if you need to go to the website uh, for any reason, it is sci-fi TV rewatch.podbean.com. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. And, and just right. everyone, please, no more pictures of your genitalia, okay? We've had enough. <laughs> All right. In the uh, tip of the week, what we're watching, uh, it was kind of a slow week for me. And in, in terms of what I watched, uh, you know, I've mentioned before the show Billions starring Paul Giamatti and formerly Damian Lewis as the uh, two main characters who were typically at war with each other. Damian Lewis left the show after the fifth season. And I think if you know anything, and I think we've talked about this before, Damian Lewis lost his wife to cancer, I believe it was. And, you know, it came at a, a difficult time for him because you know they were shooting season five and and everybody just agreed that he just wanted to walk away he's from england and uh you know no hard feelings i think he's made it clear that he's you know perhaps up for a cameo here and there but his character was replaced by an actor named Corey stoll and whereas damian lewis's character acts he runs this huge uh, financial firm and they pretty much operate, you know, just over the line. You know, they know where the line is and they're not afraid to cross it. And, and you know, the, the term legal is kind of a gray area for them. And, <laughs> mm-hmm. and Paul Giamatti as the New York attorney general is, is hell bent on bringing him down. And, you know, uh, I, again, I won't mention what happens and all of that because 
you know, I don't know what the statute of limitations is on. <laughs> we'll have to discuss that sometime. Make yeah. a good topic. Yeah, but I, don't, uh, I mean, like I haven't seen any of Billions, but you know, it's potentially something I might watch. But uh, oh yeah, I guarantee. But then again, like I probably wouldn't remember anything you, you said about it anyway. So well, I don't know. well. Well, they replaced him with Corey Stoll, who who is a financial guy who comes in and basically buys Axe Capital, but he is the white hat. He comes in and says, we're not doing business the way we used to. We're going to, you know, everything's going to be clean. Everything's going to be, you know, by the book. And Paul Giamatti still wants to it. bring him down. Oh, <laughs> but anyway, so it's really good. But Sakina Jeffrey, who you might remember as Agent Christopher in Timeless, who was kind of in charge of the little time travel group, she just joined the cast for season six as Paul Giamatti's right hand, and and okay. she's pretty good. Is kind of yeah, she's really she's in tons of stuff. She's really yeah, good. So uh, you know, she's sort of his conscience at this point, which uh, uh, he seems to have turned off. And, you know, he just basically wants to bring this guy down because he's got a lot of money. Not that he's really doing anything wrong. Well, he, he must be doing something wrong. We just have to find it. The crime's there and we'll find it. Like There you go. All right, dude. Anyway, uh, what do you got? <laughs> well, I did uh, finish Beforeiners uh, last week. And as you said, that was uh, awesome. And, uh, yeah, we definitely got to do some podcasting on season two of that. Um, I also finished... Uh, just last night, Vikings Valhalla, which I really liked. You know, um, yeah, I actually heard a a podcast with uh, Jeb Stewart, which I'm not crazy about that name, but you know, oh well, you know, his parents named him, I guess. But uh, um, and he was saying how you know I'm not Michael Hurst, and you know how this is different. And I really, I mean, like as a fan of the original Viking show. If you had told me that someone else was running the show, literally, um, I would have been like, you sure? Because it sure seems like a lot like the old show, which I think is good. Like they really, they've, in, you know, injected these brand new characters. Uh, they've quickly got us to empathize with a couple of them and, uh, you know, and give us kind of like the good action sequences and uh, the relationships, and character development. I just thought... It was really good. Super enjoyable. Yeah, and I mentioned I covered it for Den of Geek, although, as it turned out, I guess they weren't getting the traffic on Vikings Valhalla that they thought, so I only did a review of the premiere episode. And then uh, every website these days is huge on the ending explained. I'm like, dude, I I wrote a review. If you want me to put ending explained in the headline, okay, but it's not freaking (laughs) dark, you know? Right. Or the show which shall not be named, where you really did need the ending explained. So, yeah, right. well, it's not the ending though, is it? You know, no, it's just no. like the ending and, of a season. You know, yeah, like. and, and one of the things I think about it because it takes place a hundred years after Vikings is that we have so much more of the historical record to draw upon. That I mean. All we got to do, all you got to do is go to Wikipedia and look it up. What's going to happen now? Granted, as as you and I have said, we, we don't want to do that, but you know, we went to college. We we remember a lot of the, right, the stuff right. that's going to happen. Uh, but well, I, and a couple of these people, like you know, like Emma of Normandy, for one. I mean, I just I, over the summer, 
um, you know, BBC History Extra did, you know, just one episode of the podcast on her. So all of a sudden there's like all kinds of things like, oh yeah, I remember this about her. I'm like, ah, damn it. That's totally spoiler now. Right. And then of course, King Olaf, which is a character we'll talk about right. in Be Foreigners. Right. And, and, you know, we've got that historical background from Vikings Valhalla. But I, I think the thing for me, not to, you know, intrude on your segment here. No, I that, meant to like kind of launch the discussion okay. here. On it, yes. Is that they just don't quite have the charisma of some of the characters in Vikings. And, you know, certainly Ragnar and Lagertha, it, it's difficult to duplicate that chemistry. And while I, you know, I, I really like Emma, uh, I mean, a, as a character and, and she's got a lot of charisma. There's no doubt. And, and the relationship with King Canute, you know, is certainly, you know, I, I think a, a focal point. I don't know. It's just something I like you. I really liked it, but I didn't. Yeah, I don't really. know. Leif, don't know. Leif Erikson, man. I know. But, awesome. But, yeah, but the, I don't know. Harold Seegerson. Yeah, I guess. He's cool. Yeah. Freitas. Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 Like those three are, are fabulous characters. I thought. Well, they They're are, really, but really good. I don't know. You're, and you're right. It's tough. And I, you know, I, I honestly, part of it was me just kind of putting my brain aside and saying, I'm not going to compare them sure. to, as you said, I mean, Ragnar and Lagertha are probably the two best characters in, in both series um, that we really got into those characters right away. The, you know, the first episode of first season of, of you know, Vikings was really hammering home like the kind of this relationship between those two. So yeah, we really got into those characters a lot more. And so I'm trying not to try and compare them too much. But, you know, like I said, I liked it. I thought it's good. I hope it gets a season two. I'm really looking forward to it because um, I think it's awesome. Well, they're definitely getting a season two. It's already been filmed. They're just they're oh, uh, doing sweet. the final editing. And, and it looks like there's actually three seasons of six episodes each. Uh, I'm sorry, three episodes, uh, three seasons of eight episodes each for a gotcha. total of 24. So I believe they may be getting ready to start filming the last eight. And then after that, who knows, but uh, you know, Netflix is, is loath to let us know any numbers about how shows are doing. So anyway, right. All right. Anything else you want to mention or is that good for you? This that's week? it. Yeah, All that's right. it. All right, well, oh, one thing to- I do want to mention is right. I discovered that Fringe is on HBO Max. Did you know yeah, that? I, I did. And here's the deal. I was watching it on, I mean, I have the DVD set. Right. And then I realized it's also on Amazon. But they throw in you know, a total of about four minutes of commercial, which, yeah. okay, fine. No, but not the, fine. Well, okay. But then I went to HBO Max. And the problem is there's not a lot of photos for me, you know, because I want to get, you know, a, a screen cap to use in the blog post. And with HBO Max, when you freeze it, all the extraneous visual stuff doesn't go away. So I have to get the screen caps from Amazon rather than... Gotcha. Oh, well. Anyway. All right. Well, let's get to Fringe. Episode 12 of season one, The No-Brainer, which is a great title. That was Uh, actually my dad's nickname for me when I was a kid. Nice. (laughs) Uh, Written by David H. Goodman. This is the fourth episode. He's co-written and Brad Caleb Kane, and it is his second. Directed by John Polson, 
aired January 27th, 2009. So, you know, as I said, it's a monster of the week episode. There doesn't seem to be any relation to the pattern. I, I love Walter's assessment of what's going on here that it's like a grab bag of disturbing events (laughs) and you know when when he mentions that he's excited that there's a body on the way it it just kind of sums up but you know i mentioned last which would fill most people with a certain sense of dread right well sure it's like sweet right another corpse all right (laughs) yeah But, you know, I mentioned, and I can't remember now what the context was, but I mentioned David Kronberg's 1983 film Videodrome, and mm-hmm. certainly this has that kind of a feeling. But also, the other film, uh, I know you've seen it, is The Ring in 2002. Yes. Well, okay, so, so I, I meant to look that up, but I forgot to. I was wondering if this was post-Ring, uh, which, you know, clearly it was, right? Yeah, which is a great movie. If you haven't seen The Ring, oh my God, did we? Dude. I, yeah, if you want to have the the, you know, the feces of your body leave involuntarily out of fear, then yes, The Ring is is the movie for you. Yeah, I don't think we covered it when we were doing that. I don't know. It was over about three or four months um, where we covered movies. I don't think we did the I don't others. Think we did Ring. Yeah, yeah, we definitely did the others, which but, is another great but, movie. But uh, yeah, well, maybe we'll have to come back and do The Ring at some yeah, point. I don't um, know. I don't know if I can watch it again. We'll have <laughs> okay. to see. Um, but we we'll also, have to watch like plenty of happy stuff for a month beforehand or something uh, like uh, All right. Well, we also get that, that sweet scene with Olivia, Ella, Rachel. Everybody's getting along because you, you never know how it's going to turn out when your sister and her child move in with you you know the first couple days you're you're probably really happy about it but it does seem to have produced a side in olivia it's like who shoved the freaking breadcrumbs down the sink <laughs> yeah um but the first scene they're playing operation and and did you notice what they were going for it, w- it was the brain and ah, I did not yeah. notice that at all. Um, so that was, but but I think in terms of you know the overall arc, even though it doesn't seem to be pattern related, we do see Walter and Peter taking a step forward, and certainly we know in the grand scheme of things that that's obviously a good thing. And there, there's just so much. I think character development in this episode, and, and the the subtle exchanges and some of them not so subtle that that really drive this episode and and i think make it a lot better than i I think i initially thought when i rewatched it um you know earlier in the week okay well i i feel like you're um one of us is going to change their mind by the end of this discussion so all right it sounds good um I, i didn't think it was bad but i didn't think it was really that great though either Okay. Well, obviously, one of the storylines that is continuing to haunt us is Harris continuing to get in the way. And, uh, you know, he accuses her of running a rogue division inside a federal agency. Well, okay. On the one hand, isn't Charlie in charge or actually even Broyles? So it's not necessarily she's running it, but his point's taken. But you don't even (laughs) know what to think. It's... You look at the crime. Did you look at the pictures? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that character is getting very stale old very fast. Like, we're already, every time he comes, it's like, 
oh, he's going to come in and just be an unreasonable dick. And yeah. there he goes. You know, so it's like, it's, I get that you're throwing a little bit of extra conflict into Olivia's life, but A, it doesn't push the story forward at all. Now, as I'm saying this, the back of my brain's like, dude, it's going to be important later on. You know? But like, as of right now, he just, he doesn't put the story. He's just a, a, a basic impediment. Uh, it seems it's just a, a very obnoxious uh, character that I'm actually get it. I get stressed when he's on because I hate him so much. I just want to punch him in the face so bad um, that uh, it, it causes me, uh, you know, discomfort while I'm trying to watch the the, the show. And and so, yeah, not that everyone in the show has to be rosy and pink, but like I just you want like a purpose for him outside of just you know coming in and being and. and as we talked about last week, completely, it seems very unrealistically. If there's anyone out there who works in government and knows that this sometimes happens, but it just seems like so unrealistic that this guy who was, first of all, drummed out of whatever before, I guess, was it the Marines before? I don't uh, know. Yeah, I think she, I, uh, the military, certainly. Yeah, you know, that he, they, all of a sudden he comes in, now he's just in charge. Like he's an outside contractor, but he's in charge. He's ordering people around. It's just like, Oh, yeah. Come on, man! Like, yeah, you know, it just doesn't. It's not. It just doesn't. Whether it's believable in real life or not, I don't know. But it just doesn't seem believable, and it's. I think it's problematic. And I hope they get rid of him by next. Well, well, you keep wanting well, Olivia you know, he, to go to Walter. It's like you know, Walter. Do you have anything that I could maybe slip in his drink that that maybe his brains won't come out of his ears, but he'll he'll leave us alone for a while. But yeah. I, you know, I, I mean, well, we know he's going to get his comeuppance, right? We we yeah. know that's coming, and it's just like, all right, how long do we have to wait? You know, like how long do we have to wait for this to happen? We know it's going to happen. Just get it over with and move on, because I hate this character. Right. I, I mean, her decision to let Luke go, knowing he's going to go straight to his father. You know, I don't even want to say it's brilliant. I mean, it it's kind of obvious in a way. Yeah. And and yet Harris goes ballistic, tracks her GPS, whatever. But the only thing I would say in, in terms of this episode really, I, I guess, driving the story forward has to do with Broyles and his confrontations with Harris, which in the end strengthen his relationship with Olivia and the team. And we really see that Broyles has their back now. And while he's maybe not going to drop into uh, Walter's lab for lunch and drinks anytime soon. You don't ever want to take your lunch in Walter's lab. Well, that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> but but you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's clear. Yeah, yeah. No, I got you. He, he's, he, he doesn't have a, a, a touchy-feely relationship with the team. Right. But as you see, we see he's got their back. And quite frankly, he's been under our suspicion for you know a couple weeks now so right so i i think that was maybe the most important thing that comes out of that whole harris storyline but the other storyline that that is so fascinating and and we don't spend a whole lot of time with it because you know most of the time is with the crime of the week and and in a sense that's almost secondary but but this whole story surrounding walter and the decision 
for Peter to finally let Walter stand on his own. And, you know, it, it, it has to do with the mother of the young lab assistant who died in, in that accident 17 years ago, which is what sent Walter to St. Clair's in the first place. And, and I really like how they unfold that story. You know, first they're, you know, Peter's going through the mail and, and right away he looks like he's not in the greatest of moods. So I don't know what that was all about, but he gets to that one envelope with Walter's name on it and it, and it clearly upsets him throwing it in the trash can. I, I, I mean, just a, a narrative device or, I mean, yeah, but I mean, like, yeah, you know, like realistically, why would he not? Right. Well, I mean, he should really should recycle it. But again, it was 2008. Maybe wasn't, ha- they, maybe they didn't have single stream recycling in Boston back then, but I mean, even, even that he would have a certain, level of understanding that people aren't going to go through the trash and pick out his personal mail out of it. You know, um, yeah. I feel like, you know, I, we, we get that Astrid has to do what she has to do to push that aspect of the story forward. But, you know, it's kind of a violation of his privacy, you know? Well, that is true. And I didn't really even think of it in those terms. I guess I, I thought of it as her, just noticing the fact that something is causing Peter distress and it's clearly got something to do with that paper that he threw in the trash can. Now, as you said, I mean, that, that is, I mean, there's really no getting around the, the violation of his privacy, but from a narrative perspective, okay, again, I guess, as we always say, fine, we'll, we'll roll with it. And right. Then the phone rings and, when Peter first says, oh, it's just students looking for financial aid, we, we, we see the camera shot on Astrid and that look on her face like, nah, he's lying. Yeah. But, Hit but, the BS button on that one, buddy. Right. But at that point, we don't really make the connection that, oh, it's the girl's mother and, and she has this number from before. I did find it odd that none of them noticed a telephone on the wall. Yeah. And well, granted, it's funny because – Right. Well, it is 2008, and I know back then I definitely had, you know, we still had the landline. I no longer have the landline. I haven't had it for years now, as I'm sure there's many other people who are in the same situation. Um, But it was just funny how it rings. Everyone looks around like, what is that noise? You know, like. Right. Uh, Exactly. And and is that you? And and again, in 2009, not that there there weren't different kinds of ringtones that you could get for your phone because of course there were i mean it's not like now but uh i just thought it was funny there everybody's looking at each other nope not me not me yeah. um, but then astrid shows olivia the note and says you know i might know who's on the phone and 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 i like the fact that we don't hear her say the words that we just have to kind of piece it together and you could argue well it's not that hard to piece together but at that point, we really don't, really still don't know. Right, we don't. And that makes it kind of interesting, probably more interesting than it ended up being, uh, because we know how Peter has like kind of like a shady past. And, you know, we know that we've, we've seen it before, his past kind of catching up with him. Um, that what happened to those gangster guys, right? Like they were well, just right. in that one episode and, and we haven't seen them again. So I don't know. Let's still put a pin in that. We might see them again, but. Um, so yeah, my first thought was like, oh, you know, it's someone 
that uh you know that peter wronged somehow and and they want to uh want to meet him they want to see him whatever and that was obviously wrong right and and you know when the mother you know peter sees the mother standing outside that building that that he and olivia are going into and you know he goes over to talk to her i'm not sure why he made that connection but you know he he does and well he probably just thought okay i just got a letter here's this right, old lady sure. waiting here the phone right. rang and it was got yeah got to right, be right, right. right. got to be it and it's funny because you know i rewatched it you were recording on monday and i did my second rewatch this morning and i watched it maybe thursday or friday last week and i'm anticipating this scene and i'm thinking like god he, he's such a dick to her and then i'm watching it and it's like no he's not he's telling her i completely understand you know why you want to talk to him but it's just i've got to watch out for my father so he really was nice to her as as nice as i think we could expect you know the woman's not really confrontational she's just saying i i need to talk to your father and and i like the fact that she won't tell him why right you, you know well it, if she had it would you know save peter a lot of trouble he just had her meet you know Right, right. So again, from a, a storytelling standpoint, that that was really brilliant writing. Um, and, and then that scene in the car when Olivia confronts Peter, and you know it's a touchy situation, and and, and he really gets mad at her. And we haven't seen that very often in the series to this point. Right. That he basically tells, "No, you're you're right. It is none of your business." And you know she's not ready to butt out. Um, Give Walter more credit. I think you underestimate him. And, you know, kind of as an outsider to the bishop father and son relationship, you know, I, I think we we do see the improvements Walter has made. And look, we get Peter's argument. You know, you know, his father's only been out of St. Clair's three, four months at this point. I'm not sure he's ready for this. And totally understandable. On the other hand, you look at what Walter's seen in those three to four months and meeting with this girl that died in the accident, it, you know, it, it's, it's not really the most stressful thing he's had to see. Now, granted, you could argue, sure. yeah, but he didn't have a direct involvement in those other things. And like, okay, whatever. And, you know, so, so I thought that but, was but, really- you know, But, you know, it, it, there, that potential is there because even when he walks up to the woman- and she says her name. He's like, "Oh, you know, mm-hmm. like he's expecting it to go bad." Well, right, but he forges ahead anyway. Sure. And and, and again, we get that scene when Peter shows up at Olivia's apartment. And he's had a few drinks, and and you know, we're waiting for you know the two words or three words. You were right, and 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 he yeah. does say them. But I, I just like the fact that Peter and Olivia's relationship has gotten to the point where you know they really can yell at each other you know that she really can stick her nose in their business and know that it's not going to destroy their working relationship and and even their personal relationship for that matter so so you know i did like that and then of course that that scene when he says well why would a kid protect a murderer like that and she says it's his father and it's 
certainly the trigger that then gets Peter to, you know, change his mind. And, and, and then yeah. we just get that really wonderful scene. I mean, it, it's one of the more emotional scenes in, in Fringe to this point when all she wants to know is, what else can you tell me about her? Yeah. You know, I, I'm not, I don't want to blame you. I'm not, that's not what it's about. What can you tell me? Well, we wonder how much she actually knows about the accident in the first place that, you know, if she did know, because certainly Walter seems to bear some uh, significant amount of of guilt about it. Um, So we think that if she actually knew anything about it, she would probably would be pretty upset with Walter um, and, you know, might have some kind of vengeance in her eyes when she showed up there. But as it is, you know, she just, like you said, she just wants to know uh, a little bit more about her daughter since Walter was the last person to see her alive. Right. And, of course, we don't really know anything about the lab accident at, at this point no. either. So, uh, which actually what something you just said uh, reminded me of something to bring up in the spoiler zone later. Um, but, and the other thing, and maybe out in left field on this one, when, when Peter comes you know, to uh, acknowledge that Olivia was right and he's had a few drinks. And, and of course, Rachel comes to the door. Uh, does Olivia notice a little sparkage there? Uh, she yeah. may be a little jealous, uh, maybe thinking like, okay, maybe I need to make my move if a move is to be made here. So, Yeah, you know. I, I don't know if I see the jealousy there, but, you know, they're definitely I – because mean, we know – Early on, they're they're shipping Olivia and Peter pretty hard. Um, well, I shouldn't say pretty hard, but I mean we're, we're definitely strongly thinking that there's a romantic, you know, potentially uh, future side to this relationship. And now uh, Rachel shows up, and now we're like, oh, oh Rachel's uh, she's attractive and everything, and he doesn't work with her, so. All right. Uh, anything else about either of those before we get into the case of the liquefied brains? Yeah, I don't think so. Okay. Um, y- you know, teenage boys online with his friend. And, and you know, again, as we mentioned at the top of the discussion, the, the connection to movies like The Ring and, and Cronenberg's Videodrome and the, the hand coming out. And, and And again, I mean, it's explained later in the episode as a hallucination. And, of course, we're thinking, well, this is fringe, is it? It's like. No, come right. on. How can a hand come out of a computer monitor? Well, it's, it was a MacBook, so, you know, MacBook yeah, Pro. Yeah, right. So, uh, But we, we definitely have seen, uh, you know, I mean, this basically a, a recurring theme of the show is like the you know, ability of the human mind, right? And um, this isn't the first time that they've been able to, I can't remember what it was before, but, you know, for people to see things that, that aren't there, by altering their brain somehow. Right. And, and it's almost, we're getting into the territory of somebody being f- literally frightened to death. Right. And, you know, in this case, whatever. Which almost happened to me watching The Ring. Oh, good point. Uh, see, now you're going to make me want to go watch that again. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll report back on whether we should cover it. I, I'll watch again uh, in broad daylight with uh, birds chirping outside and um, three police officers around me, I think. So. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, you know, then we get the other two cases and, you know, Olivia puts the pieces of the puzzle together, makes the connection with uh, 
with Luke and his father. And uh, the, the father is, uh, God, what the heck? I've had his name in my notes somewhere. Brian. Yeah, but I mean the actor because he's been in, oh, oh. Chris, Chris Bauer. He was in True Blood, a uh, main character in that. But he was also, I don't know if you ever saw For All Mankind about the nope. early U.S. space program. And, and I think he was Deke Shepard, if I remember okay. correctly so uh i remember but, you telling me but i remember when, when you were watching that you were talking about it while yeah, we're watching yeah. you but uh but yeah he, he's really good and and you know as his son says at one point he's misunderstood and we're thinking like oh yeah another another serial killer who's misunderstood and while we're gonna you know, not go with that. Yeah. Okay, fine. He's misunderstood, but clearly the guy is a computer programming genius to be able to do what he's done. But like many scientific geniuses, he, you know, has no control as we've said, you know, one of the issues of fringe and a lot of good sci-fi is to talk about, um, you know, scientific advancement and the responsibility that the creators have for, their creations and and you know in this case this guy's using it to get revenge and right which it's just so like ass-headed you know like it's like yeah okay all these people die and like eventually they're not going to figure out the what the common link of all these people are especially when you kill your ex-wife's new husband like come on dude yeah um there were some I don't even want to say cringeworthy scenes. It's like, you know, they're coming when they go to investigate the guy that was the uh, car salesman and they go to the dealer and the guy, the manager. Did we ever figure out why that guy got killed? Yeah, he was, um, oh, that was the, uh, the stepfather, right? Wasn't, wasn't he the stepfather? Um, of who? Of Luke, right? Luke's, you know, mother divorced his father and then- No, uh, the, the no, no, that dude, that was the dude out in Chicago, in Evanston. Okay, now I can't remember. All right, well, I don't anyway. think we ever found out really what beef he had, except maybe he got like, you know, a bad interest rate or something. <laughs> from the I don't know. Okay, but Olivia's interviewing the guy and he says, well, here, you know, let me give you my card if, there, you know, if there's anything. And- if you're ever in the market for a car and you see the look on her face, like, dude, you did not just say that. Yeah. And it's just, uh, you know, you got it. It's ABC, man. I know. Always be closing. Can't, yep. can't rest. And she's it's got this little smile, a smile on her face. That's just, you know, she's like, yeah. Uh, anyway, but um, it's like, he tells her that he was out at a strip club. He's like, don't judge me. And he's like, you know, you, you almost see in the back of his head, like, do I, yeah, all right, I'm going to do it. And he's like, okay, now you're judging me. Right. Um, well, uh, yeah. Now, when, you know, because we learned that the, the hard drives get fried and, and Astrid, of course, what, what doesn't Astrid know how to do? It seems like every week, oh, yeah, I have a degree in that. Oh, oh yeah, I, I'm, you know, I've taken courses in that. Oh, well, so, I tell you what she doesn't know how to do. She doesn't know how to get the data off of those disks. Well, yes, right. And, and I love Peter, like, well, you know what? I might know a guy. And Olivia's like, well, who? Do you really want to know? Yeah. Good point. No. <laughs> yeah. You're now, right. I actually wh- do. Wh- when Peter goes to his guy, is there something about that gold coin 
I mean, am, are well, we? Well, he says it's super valuable. So right. yeah. But uh, um, you know, I kind of like used to kind of half-heartedly collect coins when I was a kid, and you know, I've inherited a few things here and there, but. Uh, you know, I, I certainly haven't kept up with it. It looks sort of modern, but um, whatever. But anyway, so he goes to his guy. Well, you know, at first, I was like, oh, is that like um, you know, an AA coin or something like that? But I'm like, well, no. The guy says you could have sold that for whatever. So it obviously has you know value beyond just you know uh, intrinsic in, in, in the owner. So, but yeah, who knows? I, again, it, it doesn't really matter. I mean, honestly, it looks like really cheap kind of faux metal coin in the first place. Um, but it gives Peter a chance to do all those tricks with them. Well, right. And and it gives his tech guy a chance to work his magic. And I, I guess the biggest problem I have with this episode, which would probably put it in the B-plus range, uh, you, I get the sense that you're maybe thinking b Hope maybe even B minus, knowing you. But what is that supposed to be? Uh, <laughs> I resent that. Um, <laughs> but when he says, "Look, I, it's being downloaded right now," and you know, here, let me hone in. Okay, here's the address, and it's like, "Oh, that's Olivia's place." And they get there, and how is how is it that Ella escapes anything bad happening to her because clearly they don't get there in time really so does brian just back off i mean is this well, like well, we saw the hand start to come out of it so i guess just olivia got there before the hand yeah clutched her head which is seems to be the thing that that yeah. kills the people right but did he hear her i mean we know he's accessing her the camera on the laptop right so does Brian hear the commotion in the background? I mean, he's accessing the camera. He's not accessing the microphone, at least that we know. So does he see her? I don't know. I, I guess I'm thinking like the hand's coming out. Why did the hand stop? So well, Because Olivia got her to stop looking the, at the computer. Yeah. Okay, I guess. I, I guess I thought maybe there should have been a little bit more neurological impact on young ella but again whatever so uh oh it'll come out later man okay but what i did love i don't know if you notice it i'm not not like saying that as a spoiler i I have no idea i'm just saying (laughs) okay well i I love that the tension is building you know we're watching ella with a laptop we see that little thing pop up uh what's that noise click here and 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 you know like a good kid she says mom and mom's in there cooking and you know the tension's mounting then as she of course clicks it because she's a kid and her mother ignored her as ella's brain is cooking along with the pasta that her mom is making oh, in, the, in the kitchen so i, nice. I, did, like, I, yeah, I did like that but nice. uh, well yeah you just think about the old all the the innocent aughts you know when you get a pop-up you just go ahead and click on that mister it'll be okay well right <laughs> And, and, like, and when the kid did, I'm like, come on, really? High school kid who obviously is on the computer a lot? Like, you're just going to click on that pop-up, aren't you? Really? Right. Now, really? The, the other interesting thing that I, I found, and I'm assuming that you can relate to it a lot more than I can, in that, you know, okay, Olivia and Peter get there, Ella seems to be fine, 
Olivia is insistent that she go to the hospital and get checked out. And Rachel's like, ah, she's fine. Yeah. She's good. <laughs> you know, there, there's no bones sticking out. There's no, you know, nothing's oozing out of her yeah. ear. Yeah. She's fine. Well, literally from Rachel's point of view, what, what is the problem? Well, like, well she's right. A computer. Yeah. No, she's not. She seems okay. And, and, and I think she says to Olivia at one point that, you know, I'm afraid if you tell me, you know, what really happened, I'll be even more afraid. And Olivia's like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I did like that. You know, the scene where Olivia goes and, and tracks him down, you know, after when she's following uh, Luke. And again, we get the Peter stay in the car. And again it's another one of those instances where he he does his best you know he gets out of the car when he hears the sirens i don't know brian shooting himself yeah i don't know that i mean not great is it well it's not but just even from a story standpoint i i guess i don't know that okay what he shot his brains out and uh, okay did his did his program make him do it you know, he, but but yeah, it's like the thing, like the you know, he's like watching, like oh, I want to watch my creation, and then he shoots himself. It's just like, oh, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess it wasn't like, that great after all. Yeah, right. You know, and then Olivia's just after it's oh he you know oh he shot himself or something like just like kind of the very just really kind of facile resolution there, right. Right. I mean, okay, fine. You could argue, well, if they take him into custody, then what? Well, okay, fine. Then what? Um, he goes to prison. How is this? I just think different? the whole, I want to watch my creation. And then he shoots himself. It's like, well, I assume you're going to watch your creation because you want, like, you know, you're going to do yourself in that way. Not to go, you know, I don't know. It was know. just, it was very, very awkward. Um, didn't, like a, a lot happened very quickly that it just didn't really not all of it made 100 percent sense right right yeah. now now they did resolve things fairly quickly because he gets her gun so now he's got his his gun and her gun see that's the most unbelievable you are a freaking fbi agent and just a, this computer program who's been literally hasn't walked anywhere or done any anything because the couch his bed's there his computer chair is there so this guy hasn't moved at all and god knows how long and he still gets to drop on you yeah he has not Come seen on, the man. sunlight in quite a while yeah um but we never really fear for her safety because he puts the gun under his chin fairly quickly in their confrontation. So, you know, he's got her gun and, and I guess you could argue he's got her gun so that she can't stop him. So I guess, and I, you know, on the one hand I thought, okay, it's good that we don't really see him do it. But then as soon as we go in there, we see his brains up against the wall. So. Right. Right. Well, they can't show him actually doing it on television. Well, right. It's, it's not HBO. So, right. Anyway, uh, anything else you want to bring up about it? I don't think so. Okay. All right. Well, oh, let's just get... a line. He couldn't possibly be that stupid. He's 19. <laughs> right. Yes. All right. Well, why don't we get to Fred's feedback, and we will be right back. Hello, Dave and Vane, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Fringe Season 1, 
Episode 12. Okay, coming back to last week's podcast, Dave, you were right. My continuity error about Olivia's IV tube was indeed not there. I'm seeing ghosts. Well, that's not so strange if you are living in Europe. Just two days ago, I saw a ghost because I was just working at my laptop and suddenly a plane came over our house quite low and I couldn't see it from the position where I was sitting. And well, it just was a lot of noise and normally I don't react to that. And then suddenly I got a kind of shock like, oh, military plane or something like that. And of course, that was not true. In that same afternoon, more planes came over, but that was just because the wind was from another direction than normal. And our airport here of the city of Rotterdam probably sent planes in another direction because of the east wind, whereas normally we have the wind from the west. And here you see that in your subconscious, you already have this terrible thing that's happening in the Ukraine in your head. And indeed, what you said in your podcast, you're in the convenient position of having a whole Atlantic Ocean in between. From my city to the Ukraine border is just 1,000 miles. And I just was so happy that we got through the COVID stress. At the moment, I'm on day 15 after my oldest son was positive and my wife and I didn't get it, which is quite unique, I think because Omicron is quite contagious, but we managed, so that stress is gone. Uh, And now we get this stress, really horrible. Of course, it's nothing compared to the stress of the people in the Ukraine or fleeing from the Ukraine as refugees. And I'm recording this on Friday, the 4th of March. By the time you broadcast this, It's already a week in the future again. I really wonder what will happen. As we saw in one week, a lot can happen. Okay, let's go into French, Season 1, Episode 12. I think this episode will get a B-plus from me. And that's partly because, well, I have difficulties to grade French because some of these stories are so unlikely. But on the other hand, they are also typical French So perhaps I should disregard it, but I I can't. I mean, a computer program that can liquefy your brain. Well, really. On the other hand, when I watch my television and watch the news and see what's happening in the Ukraine, I also have the feeling that my brain is liquefying. So perhaps not that unlikely after all. Last podcast, I said Olivia is more and more trusting Broyles. And I think I'm slowly also trusting him more and more. Especially if you see here how he defends Olivia and even stands in Harris's way. I really wonder how this power play between those two will go further. And possibly and hopefully end (laughs) in a positive way. Of course, we could expect that eventually this mother of Carla would talk to Walter and it would go much better than Peter would expect. Um, So that was a kind of predictable. I really wonder if Peter would not have been drunk if he also would have admitted to Olivia that she was right and that he 
would apologize. What I'm missing here is the continuation of the Michael Loeb and David Robert Jones story, but possibly we will get that next week again. Okay, that was all for now. Greetings, all the best. Fred from the Netherlands. Well, Fred mentioning, you know, the uh, war in Ukraine and and certainly how it affects him in the Netherlands, and and that's something I've thought about, you know, ever since this this started. And and even a thousand miles from the Ukraine border, as as Fred points out, it's it's got to be terribly worrying. And um, yeah, you know, so while we're not going to really talk about it in any detail this week that, you know, Fred, we're certainly with you and the people of Ukraine and and the people of Europe, because unfortunately we've seen this before. So, yeah, right now, Fred gives the episode a B plus. You want to throw out your grade at this point? I'm I'm going to be honestly, Uh, you really didn't. Sorry, Dave. You just really couldn't convince. And, And really the most problematic part, unfortunately is right at the end there. And that's the part where I was just like, uh, come on, man. You know, yeah. Um, I, it, well, you might have convinced me I was going to go B plus, but um, as we're talking about that that final scene, yeah, I'm there's just to- so much of it. Like, okay, so this guy devises this, like, like really, a com- like that's your revenge. You come with some a computer program that can reach out and melt people's minds, like. He's like, well, I'm a really good computer. Oh, f off with that! <laughs> like, come on, you know, like that is ludicrous. Um, the kid, a, not lawyering up right away. Like the FBI picks you up. You know, your dad is doing some shady stuff. Uh, call the lawyer right away, right? Yeah. Um, B, the kid getting released from FBI custody. Oh, they're not going to follow me as I go right to where my dad is. Like, yeah. it's just there was just so much in here. It was just it was just too hard to swallow. Then throw Sanford Harris on top of it. I no, B is I feel generous. Yeah. Well, I think when you you listen to Fred's feedback in, in that regard, in, in you know, kind of even a more general sense, I think Fred did a really, really. Which, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, you know, he did. mentions Broyle becoming Broyle's becoming more of a team member than merely the leader. But but he also mentions Walter's meeting with the mother as being predictable. And and while Fred, I agree with you. I, I'm thinking, would we want it otherwise? Would we want that meeting to go south and Walter regressing? And and I think the answer is no. So I, I think it is predictable. Although we've seen enough of these kinds of scenes in other shows that, um, you know, don't go the way this one went. So, right. And it was, and I, that's what I agree with you. That was a really nice scene and that catharsis. I think they both get some catharsis out of that. It was, that was, that was a nice little scene there. All right. Anything else about Fred's feedback? Um, no, I just I agree that there's lots of stuff in like popular media that makes me feel like my brain's turned to liquid. So I'm with you there, Fred. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's head over to the spoiler zone. And as we say each week, if you have not seen the entire series, stop now because you might end up hearing something you would rather not. Dude, I don't know about you, but there's not a lot 
in fact, I had nothing. I didn't uh, get anything, honestly, well, yeah. Yeah, well, the only thing that I thought might even tangentially be applicable here is when uh, Olivia tells Peter that I know what it's like to live with something unresolved. And, right. of course, she's talking about Walter and the girl dying in the lab accident. But we know that, you know, there's a lot that the two of them, Peter and Olivia, are going to have to come to terms with. Uh, I don't want to say sooner rather than later because it's not all that soon. But but certainly we know down the road, you know, he's, Peter's going to have to come to terms with the fact that he's been lied to his you know, entire life, you know, post six years old or whatever, however old he is when the uh, switch occurs. And then of course, with Olivia having to come to terms with the tests that were done to her as a child. Right. Right. Which I can't remember whether she even actually remembers them. I feel like she doesn't really, but um, you know, because when she says that, like that she also knows what it's like to, deal with unresolved stuff or like is she talking about like john scott right or is there something else you know or is is she talking about like her childhood which could very possibly be so i think that was a really good kind of line that you could you know apply to a bunch of stuff right and when i noticed the next episode that we're going to talk about 113 they have a picture of olivia and john scott in, in the uh you know little screen cap or whatever you call uh-huh. it so it would certainly seem as if he's going to be a, a significant part of the next episode and and to you know piggyback off what you just said yeah certainly she's got unresolved feelings about the john scott situation but we know there's also something deeper. And as you said a minute ago, whether she remembers any of those aspects of her childhood, it doesn't seem as if she does. But again, will something happen to trigger those memories? And that's kind of what we're waiting. And, and, and again, like we say almost each week, I don't really remember. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But there's so much that happens in this show, you know, like, but yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Um, any final thoughts? No. Okay. That's it. Well, that will do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Fringe, anything you're watching in your genre TV experience. Join the Facebook group if you haven't already. Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us. We'll be back next week to talk about Season 1, Episode 13 of Fringe. But until then... You know, I... I've started now, Dave. I really have to be careful of intercepting all the bills that come to our house because uh, with my wife here, I hope she doesn't notice the $2,000 for baboon seminal fluid I ordered. <laughs>